0: Greetings, friend. Welcome back to the Wayfair Podcast. I'm Tom Banderwell. Thanks so much for joining me again on this Monday. Another work week started this chapter-a-day journey, which finds us in John, the sixth chapter. There were two verses that I pulled out. One was 15, which says, Jesus, knowing that they, the crowd, had intended to come and make him a king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. And then verse 26 says, Jesus answered them, quote, Very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill, end quote. Today's podcast is entitled, Hashtag Free Fish for All. Of late, I've been working on classes in order to be a certified Enneagram coach. I'm kind of excited about it. It's been a fascinating process and Wendy's been joining me and going through all the coursework. It takes longer to get through the material <laughs> together <laughs> because we stop and talk about it incessantly, but it's also been really good to chew on things and learn from each other's thoughts and observations. Now, Over the years, I've done all the major assessments that are out there, the Myers-Briggs and the DISC and the Trent Smalley and all of them, and I found them all helpful. The thing that I've come to love about the Enneagram is that it gets below just the behaviors and personality to mine our core motivations. It unearths our core desires, core fears that drive our thoughts and behaviors. In today's chapter John relates an event that gets to the heart of the identities of Jesus and his followers. Jesus and the Twelve are together along the shores of the Sea of Galilee when this huge crowd of people come looking for Jesus. Now, Jesus had been carrying out his magical ministry tour in the region, and the crowds were swelling as they ate up Jesus' miracles. The Twelve, now these are disciples, protégés, apprentices, Padawans. (laughs) They're supposed to be walking in Jesus' footsteps and learning from him at all times. And as the crowds are approaching, Jesus asks them where they can get enough bread to feed the crowd. Now, despite the miracles that the twelve had seen Jesus perform, the thoughts of the twelve remain steadfastly shackled to earthly reason. All they know is that they have neither the bread nor the money to feed the thousands of people who just showed up. So Jesus miraculously takes a couple of loaves and fish from a boy, and produces enough filet fish sandwiches to feed the entire crowd and still have 12 baskets full of leftovers. The crowd goes wild. I mean Jesus popularity at this moment is at an all-time high. 5,000 likes with one miracle. Word of mouth marketing is out of control. Jesus is numero uno on all the trending charts. Hashtag Jesus feeds. Hashtag free fish for all. I mean, Jesus can ride this wave of popularity all the way to Jerusalem and take over. Instead, Jesus sneaks away in the middle of the night across the lake. The crowd wakes up and immediately they search to find out where their miracle man and his magical ministry tour has gone. They find him in the town of Capernaum. Immediately, Jesus makes that crucial observation that I quoted at the beginning of the podcast. Very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I perform, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Now, I find it critically important to see what's happening, not on the surface of the events in today's chapter, but in the hearts and motives of those involved. The 12, the crowd, the religious leaders are all acting out of their instinctual human motivations, while Jesus is doing the exact opposite. Jesus' miracle produced enough bread for 5,000 people to have their fill, hoping that the miracle will lead people to realize his true identity, to hear his real message, and to understand his true goal. "I am the bread of life," he said. "Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood," and in that he's foreshadowing his death and the word picture he would give his followers to remember it. "Those who do that will never die, but will live forever." End quote. "Now the religious leaders are worried about their own earthly power, wealth and prestige, their identity, as the learned religious teachers of the nation, is threatened by Jesus' popularity and his power. In order to maintain their power and appearances, they are looking for a reason to discredit Jesus. And Jesus just gives it to him. Now the crowds, they just want more entertaining miracles, especially the fish sandwiches out of thin air. I mean, most of them haven't eaten like this in a long time. What a life this could be following Jesus around. I mean, it's like a Grateful Dead summer concert tour. Free food, unbelievable wonders, great storytelling. I mean, the crowd's like, let's get this party started and keep it going. Instead, Jesus starts talking crazy about being bred and being cannibalized. Dude, I don't think he's serving fish sandwiches anymore. Let's get out of here. This sucks, man. That could have been epic. Now the twelve are beside themselves. Jesus turns from the crowds who are departing and leaving him, and he looks at them, the twelve, and he knows that they are on the verge of bailing out too. On the surface, Jesus has just shot himself in the foot and ruined his best chance at riding the wave of popularity, fame, and fortune to becoming a king. In the quiet this morning, I'm reminded that Jesus told the twelve that he was, quote, not of this world, end quote. Before Jesus' ministry began, the prince of this world offered Jesus all the kingdoms of this world if Jesus would only bow and worship him. Jesus refused, and that gives me a glimpse into the Jesus words and actions in today's chapter. It appears to me that Jesus' motivation, his motive was to bring a kingdom to this world that looks nothing like the kingdoms of this world. In fact, I've come to realize that the kingdom Jesus came to share is opposite kingdoms of this world that he turned down. It's no wonder that his actions made zero sense from a human perspective. Now the further I get in my journey, the more wary I have become of institutions and popular trends that are really just another kingdom of this world serving fish sandwiches under the guise of promoting God's kingdom. Yet when I try to discern their motives I'm left sensing that it's the same motives as any other kingdom of this world but of course while Jesus called his followers to be discerning he forbids us to judge so I'll leave that to him it's my motivations that are my responsibility why do I do the things that I do what is truly driving my thoughts words actions And relationships. If following Jesus means shunning the kingdoms of this world and living out the kingdom of God as he prescribed and exemplified, then how am I doing with that? These are some good questions to mull over as I enter another work week. What I'm doing on my personal and vocational task list doesn't really matter at all if I don't have clarity with regard to why I'm doing any of it. I hope you have a great week, my friend. We'll be back here tomorrow.